0: If you love to travel, you love cool experiences, you are going to love Viator. Viator is the world's leading travel experience marketplace. And for me, Sun Valley skiing is huge on my bucket list. So I just opened the Viator app, searched Sun Valley, and boom! Custom ski and boot fittings and tickets delivered right to our condo. Pretty unbelievable. Just download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking. One app, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.
1: Hello, and welcome to Exchange Traded Fridays, a weekly roundup of markets and ETF news from ETF.com. I'm managing editor, Heather Bell, with my longtime and highly esteemed colleague, Samit Roy. Say hi, Samit.
0: Hey, everyone.
1: We're also joined by a guest for the first time, Greg Bassick, CEO of Access Investments. Thanks for joining us, Greg.
0: Great to be here.
1: ASS just rolled out the first ever leveraged and inverse single stock ETFs. Greg, can you tell us a little bit about how, like, I guess the origin story for these products at your firm and how did you decide to file for them and what was the SEC's reaction?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, the process that we went through to bring these to market is a very familiar process for us in terms of rolling out first of their kind exchange traded funds. You know, the ETF space has really evolved over the years. And in many ways, we think, um, you know, this is the next evolution in one of the uh, areas of the U.S. ETF market that's become. Very mature. So in terms of our thought process um, that went into it from you know ideation to regulatory process to launch it was really the same as the way uh, we look at all new product development, which is um, where are areas that institutional investors or ultra high net worth investors, where are areas that they've had access from an investment standpoint, an investment tool standpoint, um where uh, other categories of investors um, haven't yet had good access. And this frankly, was one of those areas. You know the um, uh, the u s leveraged uh, and inverse ETF space has become very mature, but investors haven't really uh, had the tools for those who are active traders to do it at the single stock level. And so we thought it was an important uh, tool for those active traders to bring to market
0: here in the U.S. Greg, can you tell us a little bit more about the conversation you had with the SEC? I know SEC Commissioner Crenshaw, she released a statement the week you launched these funds. And she talked about how Rule 6C11 adopted in 2019 was the sole reason these funds exist now. Um, and how the commission needs to take a closer look at these products to see whether they're appropriate for investors. What do you think about that?
2: Sure. Well, look, you know, we never uh, comment on conversations we have uh, through the regulatory process, but we would say that these investments, like all investments, frankly, you know, have to be appropriate uh, for the type of investor uh, who's using those products. Uh, we also feel very strongly that investment education, uh, you know, is, is a key component when it comes to um, not only understanding what folks are invested in, but really all areas um, of investment management uh, or product innovation. Meaning that when um, access uh, becomes available for different ways to gain exposure to new segments of the market, uh, you know, the premium on education is high. It's it's one of the reasons why um, we're very focused um, at access on on leading with thought leadership and education. But we would say that, um, you know, for this product set, um, the nature of these strategies are designed specifically for active traders who are focused on um, making very short term, um, trading decisions, and for those investors uh, who already are doing that, uh, these products allow them to have, you know, more tools in their toolkit um, to achieve um, those short-term investment objectives.
0: It's interesting, Greg. I look, I was looking at the top inflows for all ETFs this year, and I noticed TQQQ. That's a leverage ETF on the Nasdaq 100 it was number 5 with something like 9 billion dollars of inflows this year so clearly there's tons and tons of demand for some of these leveraged products is it all retail investors who would be buying these type of things
2: well that's a, you know that's a great question you know and we've we've really looked into that specific question in terms of both here in the U.S. and frankly in Europe where single stock ETFs have been available uh, for a number of years. And what we found is that um, they're designed for active traders um, and 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 what we don't use um, are the labels, you know, institutional or retail. In this context, because we don't think it's um it's clear enough in terms of um, it you know for for us, we think it's more important um, uh, to think about the classification of these kind of investors more as those who are uh, more sophisticated in their investing, managing their portfolios and their investments literally on a daily basis. And they're looking for high conviction, tactical based trades based on specific company news, like earnings uh, announcements that come out or regulatory developments that can, uh, you know, potentially impact a company's stock price. You know, on, on on a daily basis. So we tend to not um, classify the nature of the user as either you know retail or institutional, but much more importantly, um, you know, the, we classify them based on um, the approach they take to trading and their level of education and sophistication. So that uh, those who are already making Uh, daily decisions, active decisions. Um, They're doing their research on specific companies. This allows them to be more tactical and and express a higher conviction view at the single stock level.
0: I think that's completely reasonable. They're active instruments used for short-term traders and people that want to make those bets. This is a tool for them. But obviously, in general, they are considered extremely high risk and Anyone that holds them over longer periods of time has to deal with the decay that comes with daily rebalancing. What can AXS do and the industry as a whole do better to educate investors about these products?
2: Yeah, another great question, and it's an area that we're um, that we're highly focused on. You know, a couple of thoughts on that. Um, first, uh, we would go back to the premise that. Um, This has become a very mature space, meaning that uh, for many, many years—ten plus um, years—the structure of these kinds of strategies have been out in the market, and to your earlier point, um, they've been very widely adopted. You know, based on, uh, as you as you shared earlier, you know, based on asset growth. and uh, and breadth of uh, traders that are using these types of products to make um, higher conviction um, investment decisions. Um, In the US, that took the form historically of making those higher conviction um, decisions based on sectors than industries. You even had for a while even based on single commodities like oil. So I share that with you because um, it's already the case that uh, there is um, an educational structure um, out there, so that the folks who've been doing this for a long time, you know, tend to already understand what they're investing, ha- how to use them. Um, the other thing I would share with you is um, the gateways to enable traders to trade. You know, broker dealers. Um, where a trader can uh, actually you know do the trading, also uh, have evolved to a point where they too have been providing um, not only education but systems in place in their portals so that you know before investors go to trade something with leverage, um, even outside the ETF space, just the the uh, employment of leverage or buying on margin, um, you know, they tend to t- to set up their trading infrastructure in a way um, that alerts and educates um, uh, th- those those traders. I would uh, also share with you that in addition to what fund companies already are doing with respect to education in this area, uh, you know via things like prospectuses and then educational materials that they'll provide on their website or otherwise. Um, one of the exciting things for us with respect to products like this, since they're designed for you know the audience largely who's already uh, buying on on leverage, it it's important uh, to note that um, this mousetrap, the single stock ETF, can also serve as um, a way to risk mitigate vis-a-vis some of those traditional, Ways in which traders um, could buy um, with leverage. So when you think of margin accounts and the fact that when the traders are doing it um, without the use of um, these single stock leveraged ETFs, those investors, you know, if, if the if the trade you know goes goes in the wrong direction, um, they are very poised to lose potentially more than they invested. They have margin calls. They may have to post more collateral. Whereas with single stock ETFs, um, uh, investors would not lose, you know, more more than they invested. So, education to your earlier point, it's it's absolutely critical. Investors need to know what they're uh, investing in, and we're very focused on raising the bar for education in this space. And number two, um, it's important also to recognize that. Used appropriately and sized appropriately, these could also serve to provide some benefits vis-a-vis traditional means um, for those investors of uh, of gaining leverage.
0: That's fantastic to hear, Greg. That you guys are taking education seriously, and that is a good point. That when you short a security, your downside is technically unlimited, while with these instruments, you are limited to you know going to zero, obviously. I, I kind of want to hone in on some of the ETFs that you launched, specific ones. You started, I think, with eight ETFs. How many do you plan to launch? Because conceivably there's thousands of potential single stock ETFs you could launch, but the demand wouldn't be there for every stock. How do you decide which stock stocks to target?
2: Great question. So we launched with eight single stock etFs last week, as you mentioned, those eight were part of eighteen that we got approved, and we're excited about bringing the next tranche of those etFs that have already been approved um, to market and in terms of the timing of um, et of single stock etFs beyond those, um, it is something that we are very actively focused on. Um, the way we think about the timing as well as uh, which strategies to launch, in this case, which other single stock ETFs uh, would be good tools for investors, we really think about that in terms of our uh, broader product pipeline. So on one hand, uh, you know, we're certainly extremely excited to be first in the U.S. market in rolling out these single stock ETFs, and we absolutely um, uh, see the commercial opportunity for a lot of success in product proliferation in this area. Um, But uh, equally important, we're definitely very focused on continuing to develop and launch a number of other ETFs uh, in strategy categories that similarly represent white space in the ETF market, you know, areas where we could offer um, number one for traders, other tools, uh, and uh, strategies that historically they haven't had access to. Um, and and a much bigger part of our fund family is for buy and hold investors, so where these single stock ETFs would not be appropriate or helpful in terms of the way, they invest, you know, we are very focused on also bringing out first of their kind strategies that serve more as portfolio building blocks for longer term investors that are more focused on asset allocation, uh, you know, based on longer term holds. So we've got a, an exciting product pipeline ahead where, um, uh, where our thoughts around product proliferation, including in the single stock area, we really look at uh, more broadly in terms of how that fits into our, lar- our larger um, new, new product rollout schedule.
1: Thanks for telling us about the new lineup, Greg, that they're really interesting products. I've been keeping track of launches and closures for a while at ETF.com now, and this week is weird. This week, We've had I've had no notifications of any new index changes, you know, for ETFs. There's no ticker changes, no reductions in expense ratios or anything like that. It's been very quiet. And I believe this is the first week of 2022 that has had absolutely no new uh, launches. Um, It's possible there might have been a week. Like a shortened week, but we are literally not seeing any launches this week, unless a new notification comes in after this discussion. Um, it's just been very, very quiet. Is that anything that you think about as an ETF issuer?
2: We don't think about our product rollout schedule um, at all in uh, as it relates to how other firms are you know deciding upon timing and their own more strategic um thoughts on 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 rollout. And I'll give you a couple of examples of why you know this week might have been a little bit slower where where it wouldn't be part of um, the calculus here at Access Investments. And that's that um you know sometimes you hear the notion that things slow down in the summer you know, the, the notion that sometimes financial advisors might, you know, take vacations or, or investors uh, to maybe, uh, you know, a little bit more in summer mode, quote unquote. Um, and oftentimes for us over the over the many years that we've brought, you know, new, you know, we, we see that often, um, you know, as an opportunity, you know, a time when um, if the if if we've got products um, that uh, on the merits of it, you know, are ready to be launched, something like that wouldn't um, derail or delay a a product rollout. Similarly, you know, we're also seeing a lot of hesitation among the universe of issuers, broadly speaking. Um, Given the uncertainties in the overall market environment, you know there have been very few times where you've had so many factors that can materially and simultaneously impact the market. A lot of a lot of these um, will often be the number one driver of market activity for weeks at a time. But we're in a period right now where every day. Um, the impacts from new data on inflation, or Fed rate hike, rate hike decisions, or as we're seeing even you know right now this week you know with earnings and a corporate uh, I'm sorry a COVID resurgence and geopolitical issues Russia China etc. So we are seeing overall you know a lot more cautiousness um, on the part of uh, fund issues across wrappers, even beyond ETFs. But I'd go back to the notion that for us here at Access, those type, those types of um, you know market or overall economy impacts uh, do not play into our own thoughts on timing of rollouts because uh, the the thing that we're focused on 100% uh, with respect to new product development is um per the name of our company access is you know opening up access creating new access via these um these new products and that's something that we just want to do as quickly as possible um, without regard to whether it's summer whether there's uh you know larger macro uh, issues going on at the time but it's an int- it, to your point though it is uh, an interesting development um you know that it's an uncharacteristically uh, slow point right now on the pro- part of um, you know new new uh, new ETF
1: launches. For sure, I I do think that the combination of market turmoil and economic turmoil and summer doldrums is probably definitely a spanner in the works of the ETF industry. But we'll have to end it there. As always, thanks, Meet, for your insights, and thank you so much for joining us, Greg. It was really great to have you on the podcast.
2: Great to be here.
1: Listeners, thanks for joining us once again. ETF.com is the leading provider of news and analysis of ETFs. You can find our podcast, Exchange Traded Fridays, on all the major podcast platforms. I hope you can join us again next week.